0: Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. I don't know if you noticed in yesterday's business section of yesterday's paper, on the, on the very bottom of the business page, is a story with the headline the world's largest building now open i don't know if you saw that or not but the caption under the photo says the new century global center the world's largest single building stands in Chengdu, china on july 8th the structure will include shops hotels offices and a faux ocean beach a faux ocean beach I don't know about you, but I don't really don't have any desire to experience a faux ocean. I'd rather experience the real ocean beach, wouldn't you? Um, you can go into any Home Depot or Lowe's around, and you'll see faux blinds, faux wood, faux this. Faux, and, you know, it, it, is, it is an acronym for, for false or imitation. I wonder, though, how much we allow those kinds of faux things to creep in our life and take them as the norm. Take them as what is, instead of recognizing the difference between what is and what isn't, between the real and the the false. Jesus does that here in the Sermon on the Mount. Turn to chapter 7 of Matthew. We're going to look at some scripture together here this morning, and what he says about not only the false prophets that I'll be referring to in in the context of, of today's message as charlatans, but also you and I as believers. Are we the real deal? Do we really know him? Are we walking with him or have we been duped and fooled by the enemy for years to think everything's okay with you so there's some pointed questions that he asks, and I think we need to ask of ourselves today now picking up in verse 15 is where we'll start (coughs) and follow down watch watch out for false prophets they come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ferocious wolves by their fruit you'll recognize them do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles And in your name drive out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly. I never knew you. Away from me you evil doers. Stark scripture here. Both from the standpoint of people like me. Who stand before people like you every week. To deliver truth. To tell the truth of what this book says. And then to our own hearts. Each one of us personally. He's speaking. So first of all let's look at the charlatans. Let's Let's look at these false prophets. Now. First of all, the, the thing you need to understand in the, in the context of the New Testament is the word prophet doesn't so much mean foreteller or telling the future. It means a forth teller, someone who tells the truth, someone who speaks truth, who sees truth in a situation and, and uh, proclaims that truth. Now, three things I, I think he points to here in this passage, uh, among others, is that first of all, charlatans, false prophets, charlatans begin in humility. That's what he means by that phrase. They come to you in sheep's clothing, come to you as the most humble animal known on earth so far. And he says, the sheep's clothing is the farce. The ferocious wolf is the real person, but the sheep's clothing is how they appear first humility. He says on the outside and the inside, they're, they're desecrators. They're destroyers as a wolf does. He looks for something to devour, something to, to eat up. And he says here the first two words of chapter fifteen. If you don't have them underlined, underline them twelve times. Watch out! Watch out for these folks. Be aware they're around you. Not not only outside the church, but they're in the kingdom. They're inside the church. There are sadly in your your day and mind a number of opportunists in the kingdom who are looking to see to use the church or, or or their own ministry as a platform for success, as a platform for notoriety, as a platform to be seen, to be heard. To have something of value to say, and he says, "Don't be naive to that. See through that." And the way we'll see through that is the fruit. He talks about that in just a minute. There are, as I said, in, in our <clears throat> in our world, sadly, um, many who who will proclaim only a feel good truth. And the problem with that is, and I've heard people say, and perhaps you have said it, and probably I have before naively in my life well I ought to feel good when I leave church shouldn't I shouldn't I feel good when I should not feel good when I go to church and in the presence of my Lord I should feel good (laughs) but sometimes the truth isn't so good is it if we're honest sometimes the truth is as it falls off the page and not only gets into our ears but gets into our hearts and into our minds sometimes it it noodles around and stirs up some things in us that aren't very good because sometimes I don't look like Jesus do you And that's not very good, but it's true. Sometimes I don't act like him. Sometimes I don't think like him. And when it's pointed out to me in God's word and his spirit speaks that to my heart, I've got to be honest and say, I don't feel good (laughs) about that. And so there are times, maybe many, that I leave church not feeling good because I see how little I resemble Christ. Yet in his presence and by the power of his spirit, he can nurture my heart. He can draw me in. (laughs) using worship as a vehicle to do that uh, and using his truth as a vehicle to do that. We can be, and we are oftentimes as believers, vulnerable to people who are in front of us sharing something that's supposedly from God's word. What he's saying here is is watch out for these people. Watch out and and balance what you hear against what you see. Balance what you see against the word of God. Now that's hard to do unless we're in it. We've got to be in his word to see people that are, Delivering it in a false way, if we don't know what it says and we don't know what its what its meaning is, it's hard to 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 digest. Well, gee, that sounds pretty good what he said. Let me write that down in my notes. And and many well-meaning people are duped in their faith into thinking that everything's okay with them or this lifestyle or this mannerism or this attitude or or this behavior is okay when when God's word clearly speaks against it. So we're vulnerable and we're naive to people in authority over us spiritually. What he's saying is watch out, test it. And I challenge you to do that with me as I've done before. Don't take my word for stuff. Get in God's word and say, is this what it really says? And his spirit will speak truth to you every time about his word. I'll miss it from time to time. I'm human. I'm going to, but his spirit will tell you the truth. Every time John first, John chapter two speaks to that Holy spirit, that anointing that's in you speaking truth to you and says that spirit will never lie to you. He'll always speak the truth. And you can always trust in His spirits. First of all, uh, he, he begins in humility. Secondly, charlatans are eventually exposed. Look at what He says in verse 17 and 18. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. In essence, the fruit is the evidence of what's going on there in their life. Now here's, <clears throat> here's something to note that I think is metaphorically true about what He's saying and literally about fruit trees. Fruit trees, if you plant, a, if you go out and buy a A four foot or a five foot fruit tree, the trauma of being planted in your yard, it's going to take that fruit tree most often, depending on the fruit, but most often five to seven years before it starts to bear. You know what that means? It means that people can walk in front of us. The charlatans can stand in front of us for seasons even before we see any evidence of fruit being different from what they say. So as I said earlier, it's easy to be fooled. It's easy to be we find ourselves sometimes in a, in a situation of need. I'm searching the Lord. I'm, I'm having a struggle about this situation, about that, about this relationship, about that. And consequently, I'm vulnerable to what the person in front of me is saying to where it's truth to me. That vulnerability is a dangerous thing. He's saying, watch out. The enemy can use uh, that, that individual, what that charlatan says, um, to be truth for us when it's really not. We need to examine based on God's word. He's saying the fruit here is an obvious indicator of health. A person is spiritually healthy when when they are bearing good fruit. A person is not spiritually healthy when they're not. The evidence is in the fruit. Now, we looked a couple of weeks ago, in fact, back in in, in the the first part of chapter 7, about judging others and how that's God's work. So he's saying here in in the context of the same message from the same mountain, God the Father does the judging, but you are to inspect the behavior of someone's life. You are to inspect whether or not their life bears out what they say they believe. Especially the people standing up in front of you proclaiming truth to you. Make sure it meshes with God's word and what God's spirit says to you. That's true for the charlatan. It's true for us. It's true for the false prophet. It's true for you and I. Thirdly, not only did they begin in humility and sheep's clothing and are exposed by their fruit, but they will face judgment. Stark reminder, verse 19 and 20. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He's saying here God's judgment will be eternal. The whole fact that it's cut down and thrown into the fire, the fire is an eternal fire he's speaking to in the context of of verse 19. And he's saying it's cut down and thrown into the fire. Why? Because he can see to the heart and the motive. You and I can't. He can look at the charlatan. He can look at the false prophet. He can look at a person standing in front of church after church after church after church on Sunday morning today saying he's with me or he's not. He's speaking truth or he's not. He can see to the heart. He conceded the motive. That's why he can cut down and throw in the fire with no, recor- with no, with no feeling of re- regret or remorse whatsoever. And that's why it's hard for you and I to see to the heart of things. Um, the observations of our fruit <clears throat> oftentimes are temporary, but his judgment is eternal. And so lest you think it's your job to correct the charlatan and, and, and run the false prophet out of your church, God says, I'll do that. I'll take care of him. Now, you don't need to tolerate false teaching. None of us do. You don't need to tolerate it at a cross point. You don't need to tolerate any church you've ever heard by any radio preacher you ever hear. You don't need to tolerate false teaching. Mesh it with the, with the truth of God's word and what his spirit says to you. But he's saying, God is, I'll take care of them. Don't expose yourself to it, but I'll take care of their removal. I'll, ta- I'll cut them down. You don't need to cut them down. When I cut them down, I'm going to throw them into the fire. The consequences are severe. You think it doesn't get my attention today standing in front of you? It gets my attention every Sunday standing in front of you. The charlatans... Again, in humility or exposed and will face judgment. Now, let's see what he says to us about you and I, the counterfeits. The counterfeits, first of all, have no real relationship. He speaks to that in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, how does that make you and I feel? <clears throat> He's saying that we may have knowledge. We may be serving. We may be attending. We may be giving. We may be in a community. And still not know him. Because we can say Lord, Lord every week. We can say Lord, Lord in small group. We can say Lord, Lord around our table as we bless the food at home. But he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Billy Graham has said this years ago. The greatest evidence of a person's faith in Christ are their prayer life and how they give. If a person isn't praying regularly and faithfully, there's no intimacy in the relationship. They feel a void when they pray. They're wondering, is God there? Maybe thinking that they're saved. And he said that the second evidence is, is how they give, what they give to, what they give their time to, what they give their talent to, what they give their treasure to. When you see a person's prayer life and you see how they give, you can see whether they're the real deal. Well, I don't have any way to discount that or disprove that. It makes a lot of sense to me, but God knows the truth. That's what he's saying in these verses. He's saying, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is the real deal we can uh we can fool a lot of folks we can't fool him but here's the truth about what billy said and, it, and I, I do believe this we talk to the people we love don't we if your prayer life is suffering it, make, it should make you wonder about your relationship to christ is it real is it genuine or have you been a farce maybe have you been naive for most of your spiritual existence so we talk to the people we love we also give to the people we love We give of ourselves. We give of our resources to the people we love. Is your love for him, is your giving of your time, your talent, your treasure, a reflection of your love for him? Uh, Boy, the relationship needs to be real. Secondly, counterfeits still think faith is performance-based. They think their faith is performance-based. Look at what he says in verse 22. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons. And in your name, perform many miracles. You see that phrase, in your name? Three, it occurs three times in that verse. We did it for you. God, we did it for you. We did it in your name. Doesn't it make it all okay if it's in your name? It was through the church. Doesn't it make it all okay if it's through the church? It, am I not good because of how much I've served? Am I not good because how much I've loved? Am I not good? Is is the good scale not outweighing the bad in my life? It did it in your name. Doesn't that weight, the, weight it down enough for me to... He said, no, it doesn't. Get rid of the scales. Throw them away. I've shared that, that story with you before as we were walking through the book of Romans together, that the scales exist only because the enemy places them in your mind day after day after day after day. If I do enough good today, God's going to like me. If I do enough bad today, I'm going to work okay. And those scales are from the enemy. They started from the enemy. They're sustained by the enemy. And you and I taking them hook, line, and sinker is from the enemy. So it's not performance-based. It's not ha- having anything to do with our works Um, we need to get back to the person of Jesus. John 14 says, I'm the way. He's saying himself, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Not anything you've done, it's whether you know me. Whether you have a relationship with me. Um, The the very lady Vince was talking about um, that day who was very agnostic to the gospel and our being able to share with her, was burned by folks coming and telling her what she needed to do and things she needed to know and and she was obviously very confused, and, and my first question to her, and she kind of looked at me funny after the interpreter interpreted it for her, was I said, it's, ma'am, it's really not what you know or what you've been told. It's who you know personally. Do you know Jesus? And it was the first time I could tell anybody ever ask her that question. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him personally? And so that's the very thing he's getting to here. It's not about our behavior. It's not about our works. It's not about the things we've done. But all these in-your-name things are great things, kingdom things. But they don't make us saved. They don't make us know him personally. It's all about a relationship. He says, I'm the way. Thirdly, counterfeits not only have no real relationship and still think faith is performance-based, counterfeits will will face a stark reality. Look at verse 23. Then I'll tell them plainly. Underline underline the word plainly as you see it. I'll tell them plainly. In essence, he's saying it's going to be obvious. You won't have to sneak up on it. I'm not going to be nice about it. I'm not going to water it down with a bunch of flowery words. I'm going to tell them plainly, I don't know you. I don't know you. Depart from me. It's going to be clear and plain. It's going to be stark. Um, and that's going to be stark news for many because they've been in church for decades. They've been in church for <clears throat> many, many all their life. <clears throat> and will think, gee, all that in your name stuff, I I sensed an emotional buzz from that. Doesn't that make me saved? I felt it. I went on the youth retreat too, and I felt it. Doesn't that make me saved? It's not really what, what you and I feel. We can be in an emotional service and feel a lot of things sometimes. It's what the reality is in our heart. Do we know him personally? Have we met him personally? Have we invited him into our heart? Um, sadly, many are in the church for, as I say, years and years and years and decades and know the truth and know the cost of following him and choose not to follow him. Choose not to be a believer. Choose not to be a follower. Now, they'll come to church and they'll maybe, as I say, come to church for decades and, and give and serve and have a job. And, but when they really hear the cost, and, and, and you've heard it in this church and you'll hear it over and over and over again as long as I have anything to do with it, the cost of following him is serious. It may cost you your life. It may cost you walking away from things that are precious to you. Relationships that have, you've known for years and years and years so you can follow him. That may be what he called. it. I don't know what he's calling you to but it may be what he calls you to. A, a sacrificial type life that walks away from things that have been near and dear to you that you you hold in great value. Yet in seeing that cost to pay that price to pay to be his and I choose to stay where I am spiritually whether it's as a dormant believer who really knows Jesus and prayed to receive him, or as a person who's never prayed to receive him and think that I, I absorb him by osmosis. I absorb him because my parents are believers. I absorb him because I'm in, I'm in church all the time and I hear the truth. I absorb him because I know all the words to the songs. I absorb him because I feel something emotionally when something's going on in church. And he's saying, that's, all those things are good things, but they have nothing to do with knowing me. I'm going to tell them plainly, he says. I don't know you. Can you, can you hear the, 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 the finality in those words? I don't know you. Sorry. I don't know you. Depart from me. Away from me. He says in verse 23, in fact, even, even sterner, away from me, you evildoers. Away from me, you who may have thought you know me and have influenced others in the same vein to think they do too. Mm. That kind of negativity, that kind of arrogance is going to be called out. He's going to call us out plainly, he says there in his word. And I don't know who, I don't know how and where this scripture strikes you today, whether you come today and you see me as just another charlatan or whether you've bought a book from somebody that you're now realizing may be a charlatan or whether the Holy Spirit has said, you know, you're not sifting things very well that come into your life and into your mind. You need to do a better job at that. You need to be in the word and balancing what you hear and what you see against God's word or Whether this just totally strikes you from left field. You think, man, I've never even considered that. I've never even considered that a a man of God could not be a man of God. That a man of God could not speak the truth. Never even considered it. Never dawned on me before. It happens. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday in church after church after church. And from author after author after author in book after book after book. We We need to seek truth in what we see and mesh it by the reality and the truth of God's word. Well couple of questions here as we close it's this how can I know the charlatans from the real prophet from the real proclaimer from the real truth teller how can I know that to be true every time two things I've got to get my nose in this book more often than I do and I've got to lean on the spirit to make this book true to my heart and to my mind more often than I do you see, as, I, as I've shared with you, the Spirit will never abandon the Word. The Word will always reinforce the Spirit. They walk together. As we seek Him in His Word, we seek truth. We mesh what we've heard. What you've heard me say today against the truth of God's Word. As we seek the truth in those things and we listen to the Spirit, He will guide us to truth. It's never God's desire for us to be confused. If, if we're confused, the confusion, I can tell you, 100% of the time is authored and sustained by the enemy. Our enemy, the devil. He's the author of confusion. God doesn't want us confused. He wants, he wants clarity for us. So if we seek clarity in his word and in his spirit, he's going to give us clarity. If we seek uh, this kind of coexist, let's all love each other and have a group hug and doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere mindset, he's not going to honor that at all. There's no truth found in that whatsoever. Sometimes, and here's the sad truth, sometimes the truth is offensive. And sometimes the one offended is us. By how I see God's word and I realize I'm not there. <laughs> or, or, or the things that I'm allowing into my life to be, to be with really no filter coming through, the, through God's word. The thing I'm allowing in my life. Relationships I'm allowing. Conversations I'm allowing. Locations I'm allowing. Environments I'm allowing to come into my life with no filter of God's word whatsoever. Sometimes the truth hurts us. Well, we can know the charlatans. You can know the, the real deal from the not, by God's word and by the combination of his spirit. Secondly, though, this is probably the more important question. Today, and that's how can I know that I'm really a child of God? How can I know that I'm really a child of God, that I really belong to him? Two things that I would encourage you to look at. First of all, revisit the place where you met him and listen to the spirit in that place. Here's what I've been convinced of over the years, and I've tried this with person after person after person. I've tried this with my own life because as a older teenager, at about 17 or 18, <coughs> I begin to have doubts about my own faith, begin to have doubts about whether, whether the fact that I was really a believer or not, and I, most of those doubts came as a result of <coughs> a well-meaning pastor or well-meaning evangelist <coughs> calling somebody out to say, you're not real if your life doesn't look like this. I didn't know the truth enough enough, or didn't have enough of the truth in me to seek it. So my doubts began to be fostered by the enemy. And the very thing that I did was the thing I've encouraged people to do over and over and over through the years when they've had doubts about their faith, go revisit the place where you trusted Jesus. And so for me <clears throat> as a 17 or 18 year old, <clears throat> sorry, i revisited that place. I got in my car and I drove out Chapman highway to these places that are now ball fields. It was a cow pasture at the time. Stopped my car, got out of the cow pasture, and I told I told the enemy and the Lord, "You guys duke it out. Somebody's winning and losing right here because I'm leaving knowing what's going on. I'm leaving knowing I'm a believer. I'm leaving leaving knowing, or I'm going to become a believer today, right here." And so, a peace came over my heart. The Holy Spirit says, "You did business with me right here. Don't 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 deal with this ever again." Here's here's what truth is. I've never doubted since. I encourage you to do that. If you don't have a place, if you can't point to a place where you met Jesus great reason for you to have doubt great reason for you to look today and say is that me he's talking about that 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 depart from me part that that get away from me I I never knew you I don't know you personally I know about you come to church did a lot of things religiously but you and I aren't on the same page in relationship if you can't go to that place I would submit to you you may not know him there may not be a time and place where you've met him um That's between you and God's spirit. God's spirit will speak to your heart about that place, about that location. He'll reveal it to you, or he'll draw your spirit to himself. He'll say, there's not that place. Make this place that place today. And that's my final admonition to you today is this, is if the spirit is saying to you, "Uh, where is that for you? Where is that for you? Then make this place your place. Settle that today. Make that a settled issue before you leave. If he has reminded you, as I've said that, that has has rolled off on my lips, as he's he's reminded you of a place, and and that's in your mind's eye right now, you're picturing that place, don't allow the enemy to beat you you up over that. Don't allow the enemy to come and and, and foster doubt in your mind and in your heart about that. Nail that down. You know that's true. I was serious with God there, and something changed for, for eternity in me there. And hold that to be a sacred place, whether that's your bedroom, whether that's some church altar someplace, whether that's a retreat, whether that's some camp, doesn't matter where it is. If the Spirit draws that to your mind and heart, that place to your mind and heart is a sacred place to you. And that ought to be a place of of holiness, and it may be totally carnal. It may be torn down now. It may not exist physically, but it's still a holy place to you because you were serious and met God there. So my challenge to you today is this. Sift everything you hear from me, everything you hear from anybody proclaiming to speak from God, sift it through the Word of God and through the Spirit of God. Sift your relationship with him through the location you met him and the spirit of God as well. Those two things will intersect and and mesh over and over and over again. If you can't find that place today and you can't remember that time and the Holy Spirit's not drawing you to that place, I invite you to come here and pray and receive him. Come here and say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you today. I want to receive you today. I want to know you today. I want to nail this down today. So that there's no doubt ever again. So that I don't have to revisit this ever again. The enemy stops beating me up over and over and over and over and over. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Make this place your place. It may be a step of courage for you. Because some of you may have been in church for a long time. Uh, some of you may feel like you've known the Lord for years. And the Holy Spirit says something different to you today. And not me. If you've heard something different, it's been from him. But I encourage you today to be obedient to whatever he said and is saying even now. So as we, as we pray and as, as Rick comes to share and sing, you're welcome to come and pray. Doc here will be available at the front to pray with you. You're welcome to pray by yourself, bring a friend, whatever whatever you need. I'll be at the back if you need to, to, to pray, and I'll, I would love to, to share with you the very same story that we share with these little Nicaraguan ladies. Jesus loves you, died for you. Pray to receive him. That's, all, that's as simple as it is. It's a simple gospel. But uh, you be obedient today to what the Spirit's saying to you. And, and what well, we need to open our eyes to truth, the truth about others, like me, and the truth about us, in me. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church. Helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.